Well, welcome to Northridge. For those of you who are here for the first time, thank you for being here. Just want to welcome you. So glad that you guys are here today. And we hope that you feel right at home right away uh, here at Northridge. Um, when I was a kid, it was a long time ago. I'm trying to remember what that was like. But uh, when I was a little kid, we had one of those things, maybe a tradition that some of you experience. And that was we would read a book at night, uh, sometimes several books, but at least one. And it always depended on how many books we pushed for to push bedtime back a little further. I don't know if you have children that do that or if you ever did that. Um, my children never do that to us, which is awesome. No, not true. That's a lie. But, um, but we just have a lot of fun reading books. And one of, the, one of the books that I read or was read to me as a kid, uh, I wanted to share with you and I wanted to read a portion of it. But this is, this is the name of the book, uh, Caps for Sale. And I don't know if you, anybody ever read this book. Anybody ever heard of this book? Yeah, there's like two of you. Awesome. Okay, that's, that's going to work perfect because uh, we're going to read this. Now, what, what we did is we kind of edited it down a, a little bit today uh, because if we read the whole book, it, you know, it, it would take a while. And so it's edited down. So we're going to get the gist of the story. You're going to get the summary. If you read this book, you'd get a lot more than what I'm going to share with you. Uh, right now, but I want to just read uh, a portion of this book to kind of get the emphasis out, and then you'll kind of understand why we're going with this because it definitely goes with our topic today uh, in our series. All right, let's let's read it. Caps for sale by that guy uh, S for Slobodkina, something like that. Yeah, say that three times fast. Okay. Uh, Once there was a peddler who sold caps. He carried them on top of his head. He had his own checked cap, then all of the other uh, color of caps. He walked down the streets calling, Caps for sale, 50 cents a cap. One morning he walked up and down the streets trying to sell the caps, but nobody wanted any caps that day. So he decided to take a nap by a big tree, leaving his caps on his head. When he woke up, he felt to make sure the caps were in place, but all he felt was his own checked cap. He looked all around but couldn't find the caps. And then he looked up. And there sat monkeys with a cap on each of their heads. He shook his finger at them and said, Give me back my caps. But the monkeys just shook their their fingers back at him. He shook his fist at him and said, Give me back my caps. But the monkeys just shook their fists back at him. He stomped his foot. Give me back my caps. (laughs) Give me back my caps. But the monkey stomped their feet back at him. And so he got so angry, he pulled off his own cap and he threw it on the ground and he started to walk away. And each monkey pulled off his cap and threw it on the ground, just like the peddler had done. The peddler picked him up, put him back on his head, and he started to call out, Caps for sale, 50 cents a cap. So that's the gist of the story. Did you notice? Did you notice what happened with the monkeys? We are in our series called Thrive. 
And, and the whole point of this series is, I don't know about you, but most people I meet, they don't want to just get through life. Although sometimes that's how we operate on a day-to-day basis. I don't know if you ever feel that way. You're, you're just making it. You're like, okay, I'm just going to get up today. All right, I'm just going to get through work today. And then I just hope to get to the couch by the end of the day. You know, we just make it. But if we really ask people, and if you say, what do you want out of life? Most people, if not all people, would say, I want to thrive in life. I want the best, the most out of life that I can possibly get. I want to make the most of my life. And so this is the series we're in. It's called Thrive. And in order to thrive, one of the biggest pieces, if not maybe the biggest piece, in order for us to thrive in life is to thrive in our relationships. To thrive in our relationships, in our family, in our job, everything else that is is a part of that. All of our relationships. If we are going to thrive in life, one of the things that we must thrive in is in our relationships. Because if you think about it, your good days and bad days, do they not mostly rise and fall on the interactions you have with people? Isn't that true? That your day is good or bad based on the conversations and how people treat you and how you treat people. It is in those relationships. And so we are in this. And I wanted to read that book because if you noticed, the monkeys, did you notice that this is a very key thing in relationships? The monkeys did not pay attention so much to the peddler's words. They paid attention far more to his what? His actions. Oh, now we know where we're headed. Our words are important. Absolutely. Our actions are just as, if not more. Because our actions speak louder than words. And when we're talking relationships, that's a big, big key to this. So I wanted to share a scripture with you that kind of talks about this dynamic of how, how we show what our faith is. It comes out of James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. Just, just listen to this, follow along with me, and, and you'll understand where this is going. What good is it if you say you have faith, But don't show it by your actions. You just talk about it, but you don't show it. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. And then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds or action, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds, by my action. So you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And this points to our relationships. We can talk about how we care all we want, but if it does not back to, if it's not backed up by actions, it really we all know the truth, don't we? And we know this about other people, we know this about ourselves. And so we're going to talk about actions, but instead of me harping at you all morning. Um, here's what I decided to do. We are about blessing here at Northridge. And, and today you're going to get a double blessing. You get to be at Northridge, but you're not going to have to hear me talk the whole time. So that's a double blessing for you guys. Thank you for coming today. 
No, what I want to do is I'm going to invite a couple people who are very dear to me. And in fact, it's the two people that read this to me when I was a child. I'm going to have my parents come up here. And the reason I'm going to have them come up here is I, I want to... Uh, ask them a few questions. Yes, they already know what the questions are. Yes, they already have prepared what they're going to say. So if you're curious, if I'm putting them on the spot, no, I'm slightly smarter than that. Slightly. All right. So they're going to come up and we're going to hang out up here. We're going to sit down. We're going to do, it's a little bit different today, a little bit changed from what we normally do. Uh, But I'm going to ask them some questions about just family and about relationships, some of the things that I know that they have taught me. And and we're going to focus on this whole thing of actions speak louder than words, because words are really good. What we tell people is really important, but how we back that up is even more important. And so I'm going to invite them up and and interview them. Come on up. Uh, Give them a hand. Thank Thank you for doing this. This is great. And uh, this is this is my mother, and this is my father. I appreciate this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you couldn't figure that out, well, it's fine. We won't go there. But uh, anyway, so we're just going to hang out up here for uh, for a little bit, and uh, and I'm going to ask them some questions, and uh, and and we're just going to kind of see where this goes a little bit. But they have they have a lot of stories. Uh, some good, some bad, <laughs> and uh, you need to stay away from the embarrassing stuff about me, right? You're good with that, okay? Um, so we've talked about that ahead of time. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys some questions. You guys kind of hear, and you guys can hear some of the stories that they have. So we're talking about this whole thing of actions speak louder than words. So the first question I have, is there an example from your childhood? So going back to when you were kids, um, is there an example from when you were kids when Words were not enough. The action had to happen in order to teach you a lesson or you knew it was going to be more impactful with, uh, with the actions rather than just the words. Well, first of all, uh, I just want you to know that Brent was the perfect child. Okay. So no just, no just, lies on Sunday. No <laughs> lies on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the things that, that I remember, when I was in elementary school, uh, there were a lot of things that I did wrong, and um, you know I I enjoyed going to school, but there were two years that were particularly challenging for my teachers. <laughs> First grade, Mrs. Wilman, and fifth grade, Mrs. Day. And uh, Mrs. Day in the fifth grade, I, I I don't know if this is true, but the sense that I that I have when I remember that year is that I, I spent probably about half of my fifth grade year in the hallway. <laughs> and uh, I really was a challenge to, to Mrs. Day. And so um, I, I, had this, I had this issue, Brent, with, with talking a lot. I understand that. And the thing about school is that they have these rules that you're, like, not supposed to talk when the teacher is talking. <laughs> and I, so I got in a lot of trouble uh, in a lot of ways. At the end of that year, I heard that Mrs. Day was going to get a divorce. And as a fifth grader, I still remember connecting the dots between my behavior and her, her divorce that, w- that was coming up that summer. And I felt so bad. 
I remember that I felt like, okay, I was a pain in the neck to this teacher. And I probably created so much stress that it probably pushed her over the limit. And that's why this was happening. And so what I did was, I don't know if any of you remember the Woolworth store. Anyway, there, there, it was in a strip mall, and I went to Woolworths, and they had these little, uh, had these little sacks, little paper sacks, and penny candy. And I went to the Woolworths store, and I bought some penny candy. I probably paid maybe 10 or 20 cents, and that was a big deal for me in that, in that day. And I, so I stuffed it full of this penny candy, and I put it in a sack, and I walked over to her house. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I, I just felt so bad. I said, you know, it, it wasn't enough for me just to say to Mrs. Day, you know, I was a pain in the neck. I know that. I know that now, and I'm sorry. But I also wanted to give her something that also said, I, I feel badly enough that I want to do something and show you how much I really feel bad about whatever it is. So that was, that was my story. Yep. <laughs> uh, the one I thought about was actually something that happened to my brother, but it's something that our whole family still talks about. Um, when my brother was in upper elementary school, probably fourth or fifth grade, the teacher on Friday said, we're going to do an experiment or a science project or something on Monday, and everybody's supposed to bring a length of string, like maybe 12 inches of string. My brother knew that most kids would forget to bring it, so he got a ball of string, and on Monday he sold it to the kids. <laughs> Made a good chunk of money for him. I, this is just smart, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that night at the dinner table, Dad's sitting at one end and Mom at the other, and, and so my brother is telling about this. Pretty proud of himself and how much money he got. My dad, who, who was a businessman, went, good thinking. Good job. <laughs> My mother said, those were your friends you took advantage of. The kind thing would have been to have given them. And you will take all that money back tomorrow and give it back to them. We all remember that. My brother wasn't too happy about returning the money. And we also remember my father... My brother looked at my father, and my father goes, yes, she's right. <laughs> we don't make money by taking advantage of people. So it was an action that he had to do to, to follow up his words. Uh, he couldn't just say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. He had to do an action with it. That's a, that is, and that's a funny story. We we obviously there's bits and pieces that we share in there too. We laugh about some of these things, and I remember some of those. And uh, and I know you know going kind of fast forwarding now a little bit. Now I'm in the picture. I'm a little kid. Uh, well, I'm a little older than that. But I remember um, when we were born, and we didn't we weren't aware of this. My brother and I were not aware of this until later. Um, but um, Dad, you made a choice. Uh, about some of your activities early on in, in my childhood um, that I was not aware of, but now looking back, I realize it and see how important it was. Um, so talk about that, some of the golf, some of the other things, some of the decisions that you made about your activities early on anyway. Yeah, as, as a young father, uh, in fact, I was just talking with somebody, uh, Brent and I actually had the chance to go for one day to the PGA Championship. So we had a great day. We loved that. And uh, I remember as a young father that 
I was committed to improving my golf game. All right? <laughs> so I had a day off, and I was, uh, I was a pastor, so, you know, weekends were kind of booked. And so, um, so I had a day off, and I was going to go play golf on my day off. That was like, that's my privilege. I get to do this. And, but there were some promptings and some things that, that I was hearing from mentors and other people that were important in my life. And I, and I finally, I remember the day that I went to Rini and I said, Rini, um, I think that I, I really need to not play golf on my day off because I have two young sons and those two boys are way more important than trying to improve my golf game. Now, you know, I knew I probably wasn't going to be a Phil Mickelson or, <laughs> you know, those kind of, you know, kind of things. But I really had to make that intentional decision to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And so what we, what we did was um, we, we took Mondays and we went down. I don't know if you remember this, but like in Huntington, we went down to the railroad tracks and uh, we worked on this dur- during several years, and we ended up with a like a pile of railroad spikes. That was just kind of our ongoing project, walking along the railroad tracks. It was just you know simple, stupid, silly kind of things, but it was time spent with my boys. And what, what's interesting is that now Jackson. Our grandson, who's now eight years old, comes up to me and says, Grandpa, can we go play golf? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's more about uh, driving the golf cart (laughs) than the golf right now. But, you know, what what goes around comes around. So uh, that that was just an intentional kind of life-changing decision for me. Okay. Yeah, that that was good, and that was something that we were not aware of, and I know, I mean, just looking back and realizing that, like, I do remember, you know, and there's a bridge that we'd go down, and we'd throw rocks in the water. I was one of those kids, I could throw rocks in all day, you know, and I could skip them and throw them and try to hit things and sticks in the water, I'd just do that, and we, we did those things, but we wouldn't have been able to do those things if he was golfing, um, and so now it's come full circle where we want to golf with our dad, uh, see how that works. Uh, you kind of give that up, and then eventually that thing might come back around. Um, and so I think that's really cool because the actions, obviously, if you just say, hey, I love you or I want to spend time with you, you got to actually do that, uh, spend time. And so that's, that's a, that was a good, uh, good reminder for that for me even. Um, I also remember uh, early on, uh, and this was one that, that uh, I actually had to be reminded of, and my brother remembers more vividly than I do because he remembered this. This is a time when things weren't quite right right away. Uh, we were on a bike ride, and things just went all wrong from the beginning. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Are, are you familiar with the Berenstain Bears? All right. Okay, the Berenstain Bears. Well, one of our favorite books is The Bike Lesson. And it's where the father tries to show his son how to ride the bike. And if you remember the story, he goes through all this stuff. Here's how you turn left and right and avoid the rocks and da-da-da. And, of course, at the end of the book, uh, the the papa bear, you know, is carrying the bike on his shoulders. It's all messed up. (laughs) And the son has never even gotten on the bike. (laughs) And, And this recurring phrase 
throughout the book is, is just so vivid. He, he basically says, after, after every time, he says, son, this is what you should not do. <laughs> Let this be a lesson to you. <laughs> and, of course, all the books are in rhyme. So uh, as, I, as I thought about that, I thought about as a father, as a husband, way too many times that has been my experience in life. I say, this is what you should not do. This, let this be a lesson to you. And the one, the one incident, Brent, that you're, that you're talking about, we were living in Eau Claire, and uh, the whole family, we had decided we're going to Saturday morning, nice day, we're going to go on this bike ride. And, and so we were all excited, and we were jostling around and getting ready to go. And probably within a, a block or two, this happened, right at the beginning. Brent was was having fun, and you know we were jostling. And per- his perfect, perfect child, remember? Per- perfect perfect child. child. Yeah, he was he was acting perfectly normal, uh, whatever that is. And so so anyway, we, we were jostling. And our handlebars got locked up, and it just knocked me over off the bike. You know, scraped myself up, and you know it was just like embarrassing. It was just awful. And I got up, and I, and I still remember getting so mad at Brent. And, and Brent mentioned that, that he didn't remember it as much, but Bryce, the younger son, mm-hmm. he remembered it vividly. And, of course, Rini, she never forgets anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, you know... It, anyway, I, I just, I remember I got, I got so angry, and it just, I mean, it ruined the whole day. It ruined the whole bike ride. Mm-hmm. But what, what I realized needed to happen was I needed to go back, and I needed to tell Brent, I'm sorry. But it was more than just saying I was sorry. There were a couple other things that, I've, that I discovered that were really, really important, and that was I needed to say not just I'm sorry, but I also needed to say it in front of the whole family because when I got angry, it not only impacted him, but also my wife and my other son. Mm-hmm. And I needed to do it in the same arena or venue as when I got angry. And that honored Brent when I said I'm sorry in front of the rest of his family. And I also needed to commit to him and say, will you forgive me because I was wrong? And I will do my very best not to get angry at the wrong things again. So that it was not just the words, but it was, it was the follow-up kind of actions that, that really, you know, yeah. to me, I think made a difference. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, and I, th- and I think it was important to me but it is interesting that for our, our memories, Bryce, my younger brother, just is our actions speak so loudly to the relationship that it affects. But so often we don't realize, we really don't realize how much our actions affect so many other relationships around us that are affected by the relationship that we're affecting. Does that make sense? Just it, go, it radiates out so much further than we realize. So if we have a struggle with somebody Trust me, it does not end with that person. 
it goes and radiates far beyond that. And, and, I, and I didn't know that actually until just this last week. I mean, we were talking about these things and, and the fact that Bryce remembers that vividly, how, how unjust he felt that was. Um, and he just, he was hurt by it. And so it was, it was one of those things where the action really had to kind of smooth that over and take that. that. And I found that to be true in my own life where, uh, you know, uh, I've had to apologize and, and make sure that the whole family hears it uh, from time to time. And uh, it's just important to do that. So, um, all right, just, just kind of turning turn in a little bit of a corner. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about um, the importance of, we talked about it just really from that last story, and so we're in that same vein. But now talk about it a little more in general. Uh, how important it is to model forgiveness and apologies. So the words are important, but what I find is the action is that a lot of times people don't say the words. That, that's the action that's missed. And so uh, talk about why it's important to model uh, that forgiveness and, and apology and some of those things. Well, I, I remember someone saying, the, uh, making the, the short statement, our actions never lie. Our actions never lie. And um, so, you know, as we, as we move through life and relationships, and, of course, I've been a pastor, too, and uh, many, many times I've, you know, I've discovered that the importance of relationships is, is really wrapped up so many times because, you know, we are so imperfect in so many ways that it becomes a high, high value to say, I'm sorry. And, you know, and I thought about the, those two phrases, I'm sorry and, and will you forgive me. There's a, there's a little bit of a difference in, in those two phrases. When we say, I'm sorry, it, it, it impacts the other person a little bit, but it's probably more, a little, more about us mm-hmm. to, to help us to feel better. Mm-hmm. But when we, when we ask the question which is a little different. Will you forgive me? You see, that opens up the opportunity for the other person then to be free in that relationship, which creates Mm -hmm. the opportunity then for a restoration Mm -hmm. uh, of a relationship that may have been broken because of things that we've done. Mm -hmm. Um, The instance that they talked about with the bike incident we now laugh about that because there was an apology made. And another instance that I thought of, uh, again, about my siblings. See, I'm sharing about my siblings, nothing about me. So. <laughs> Perfect mother. Perfect <laughs> wife. Um, my younger sister was musical. She was in a musical ensemble. And that was back in the days when there were hard copy music, no iPads or anything. And so there were several members in this ensemble and several songs, and so she had to collate a lot of music, and she chose the living room floor to do that. Lots of piles, had spent quite a bit of time, got it collated, was just finishing up, and my dad came in with our dog, our border collie, who loved to chase balls. And he thought he'd be fun to throw the ball across the living room. Well, the dog ran across the music, but he also slid across the music, <laughs> and all the, all the work she had done was undone. She got up and went into her bedroom and slammed the door. My dad got down on the floor and collated the music. Then he went to her bedroom door and said, Vida, I'm sorry, and, and it's done. So um, 
and now, again, when we, she's gone now, but we, we would talk about that afterwards. We could laugh about it because there was an apology and an action made. Sometimes our apologies have to have an action with it to really, really bring home how sorry we really are. Uh, when we say we're sorry and we back it by actions, then when we say those words again, it can bring trust into the relationship. So. Mm. Um. One thing that I haven't talked about a lot, and you might hear about these, I'm sure, from time to time in the future, in the next few months, years, whatever, from me. But um, one thing that our family did, I know a lot, is we really focused on uh, sections of time, moments in time, that we set aside. And it was just our family. Our friends were not involved. Friends down the street, best friends, all that kind of stuff, not there. It was our family only. And um, and I remember some of the things like we could we could I could tell you about loving things like really cool things that you wouldn't know anything about like if I said tire fort, most of you go that's weird you know, <laughs> for me I know exactly what that is I mean I can I can picture it in my mind I know exactly where it is I can take you to Rapid City South Dakota in the Black Hills where that is probably completely covered over in mud now but where the tire fort was, where we collected tires and we rolled them down those mountains and watched the tree just shake when it hit it. And fantastic stuff, good times, where we killed rattlesnakes when we came on them and all that kind of, I mean, all these things. I mean, I, I could tell you, I could sit here for hours and I won't do that, but we could sit here for hours. And, and vacation, we spent camping in the, in the mountains. Uh, we'd go, and again, just our family. We don't bring friends along. This is our family time. We are going to force ourselves... <laughs> to relate <laughs> to one another and actually talk to each other and look at each other in the eyes. And sometimes that was difficult. Most of the time it was really good. But we did that. And so uh, just I don't know if you have, with the tire fort, vacation, camping, we, we, you guys were very, very strict on that, um, spending those times and setting apart and saying no, because we asked to have friends along from time to time. And they said no. No, you will not. You will not ask them. This is family time. And, and I remember sometimes we were upset about that, Bryce and I. Um, but, but sometimes we were just, you know, okay, we realize, we look back, we know. Uh, just talk maybe real briefly about that and what you felt that, why you made that decision and what was important about that, that action. Well, I think for each person, and this can relate not just to families, but any relationship, um, but in your own personal life or family life, you'll have certain values that you state and say, these are important to me. But then there has to be intentional, consistent actions that will follow that to make that statement really have meaning. Mm -hmm. And um, for us, it was that we would um, build our relationships within our family because when difficult times came, there would be a relationship with each other that would help through those times. There would be more open sharing. And and so we just felt that was really important. And there were things around a, well, you don't have to go to the free camp spots. That's where we went in a tent. But um, No restroom facilities no. nearby. So, um, you just need trees anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> which, you, which you loved. So, um, you know, whatever your values are, but nothing like sitting around the campfire they shared things they would never have shared with friends there or somewhere else. 
they wouldn't have. And whatever you choose that works for, for you or for your family or with whatever relationship that is, but to make intentional decisions. And it was not easy to schedule in family times. We'd get our, I mean, we just keep those calendars out all the time, you know, when there were sports schedules and music schedules and everything. Mm -hmm. So, but just intentional, consistent, build it in, um, or it it just probably won't happen. Mm -hmm. They say that you find time for the things that you most highly value. You find time for the things that you most highly value. I like to eat. You know, eventually it comes around. I find time to eat. I need to sleep. I usually, uh, you know, I'll find time to sleep. But the, those, those, the building of relationships over a long period of time, as Rini said, uh, we had to make some very, very hard, intentional, long-term kinds of decisions. And, and many of those decisions that, that worked for us, we have, I can say now, we have not regretted. It's been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think that, that that time thing kind of put in with that faith part of that. Uh, if you want faith to be important in your life and in your family, it's the same thing. You've got to, give, you got to make that a priority. Uh, because trust me, our our culture is pushing church and Sunday and everything else about faith, Bible, you name it, whatever prayer, uh, out of our lives. And so, therefore, we are going to have to intentionally say, "I'm putting it back in," uh, because they are going to take it away because that's not the direction. So, in action again, if you do that, your children and your family, the relationships around you, your friends, they'll know. They will know by your actions that it is an important thing to you, that your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God is important to you. Uh, and it kind of goes along the same lines as vacation and time spent with family and all that stuff. All that stuff works together. Um, all right, so this is, this is kind of, this is a lot more than just family relationships. This, you could take this to family, but this goes to family. This goes to job. Let me tell you, if at your work, you acted toward your coworkers like you actually really talked to them in kindness, right? And some of you say, I do treat them how I, how I talk to them. <laughs> and it's not good, you know. Um, but, the, you know, both of those, then we've got to talk about words and actions, right? They both have to line up. But, but this goes to family, this goes to job, this goes to our friends, this goes to our social circles, everything. Our relationships that our words and our actions line up together. And, uh, and so I know you have a story, um, Mom, about this. That er, This is earlier on. This is before I existed. Um, but you were working, and, and you're, it was kind of a moment in time where your action or your words had said one thing. This is who you were, and your actions had to back it up. I wanted to share that because that, a, it's a huge moment. Um, this was when we lived in Kentucky, and I was working at the University of Kentucky. I was putting Dan through graduate school. So my income was really important. That was the only income we had. And, um, and I had just gotten a promotion to uh, the assistant to the dean and was better money, and I, and I loved the work. I loved the job. It was in the College of Social Professions at, at the University of Kentucky. And soon after I got that job, uh, part of the job included they got a lot of applicants every year, and they only took a very small percentage and there, there was a long process. It took a long time of 
them writing essays, applications, references, and I, I would kind of be the first step in all that, get that and read through all of them and give you know, the first ones to the committee and everything. And so it was a long process. We got, um, we'd had a bumper year of applicants that year, and we got an application the last day. It made the deadline. It was on the deadline date. And the dean said, I know this person. They'll never make it anyway. And just write them and tell them it came a day late. And I had to make a decision <laughs> knowing that, you know, she was a dean and she was a, we became good friends, but she was quite intimidating. And um, I had to make a decision what I was going to do. And I said, I can't do that. I can't do that because we, that's a lie. And it's not fair to this person. And uh, she argued with me about it. And I said, I will not do it. I just won't do it. And so um, she said, okay, you're going to have to put in all the hours. And blah, blah, blah. So I said, whatever. And so I did. And that person didn't make it. She was right. Um, and I didn't lose my job. But it was a, a time when I could have. And so that was where I had to make the actions, even though there may have been difficult consequences come of it. And, and I think that that's, that's an important point to make, whether it's family, whether it's job, whether it's your friends, just a circle of friends, just kind of social time. Uh, no matter what it is, the decisions that you make to make your words line up with your actions and your actions to line up with your words, the pro- why do we not do that? Well, the reason is because it's hard, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I have to apologize to my children or to my family, it's, it's not easy to do that, honestly. As an adult, I'm like, I'm an adult. I don't have to do this. But it's hard to do these things, and it's hard to back up if you have integrity and all that kind of stuff, and I'm going to act this way. And so the, it's just it's hard to do these things. But if we are going to be people who are where our actions are going to truly speak louder than our words, which they will regardless, I hope that the, the thing that's speaking louder is backing up our words, what we really say we are, what we want people to know that we are. Um, and then, so the last question is just kind of going back to the, the history of our family a bit because this definitely plays into relationships. Uh, you guys have heard, a lot of you anyway, maybe some of you haven't. I've told the story of my great-grandfather and the, the really difficult childhood that he came up through, stuff that is hard to even talk about publicly, uh, some things that he had to go through in his life. Uh, but then there were some things that happened and changed there. I just uh, thought kind of as the last question, um, talk, talk to me a little bit about how action can change uh, the pattern and the legacy of not just a family, but your whole trajectory in life, um, family, job, relationships in general. How, how, does, how, do, how do actions really, can, how can that change the trajectory of, of where you're going? Um, my grandfather did grow up in a real difficult home situation. His father was an alcoholic, and there were some other issues. And he beat him. And when he was a teenager, he beat him so badly. My father, or my grandfather, left home and went to live with his sister. He couldn't live at home anymore. And there's a lot of other things that you know. But it was a diffi- very difficult uh, childhood. And um, my grandfather was very musical. He was a sang and he played the keyboard and um, 
So he started taking music lessons from my grandma's older sister, piano lessons. And he and my grandmother became interested in each other. She had grown up in a Christian home, a good home, um, where some good character values were taught and followed Christ. And um, pretty soon my grandfather saw the difference, and he, he wanted a change in his life. And he accepted Christ, became a Christ follower. But he didn't just uh, say a prayer asking for forgiveness for his sins. He wanted to do more than that. He wanted to change patterns that had happened in his family. He wanted to change a trajectory. And so he began reading the Bible, and he was uh, very disciplined and intentional about making some changes. It was hard. His siblings would sometimes make fun of him, especially in the early years, about this new wholesome lifestyle. And I remember going to those family reunions. And um, so it was, it was difficult sometimes, but he definitely made a change and made a decision and changed his path. And um, later on, now, if uh, they still have some of those family reunions, and the children of his siblings and the grandchildren have said, we were watching and we knew what path we wanted our families to take. We were watching Uncle Clifford and the difference. And it's, it's not just our family that my grandfather made a difference for his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids. It was also his siblings' children and grandchildren. And so um, sometimes we can do things humanly. We've got a lot of ability and capability as humans. But he would tell you, that change took a higher power than I had. It took God helping me, giving me courage, giving me direction, giving me wisdom that I was able to draw from and, and go toward a goal um, to reach in life, um, for my life. And so it, it's just made all the difference. I often wonder what would have happened if he hadn't done that. And so lives we touch, people we influence, by the path we choose to take makes a big difference. Um, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Give them uh, another hand for that. Just to, uh, I know that was a little bit different <laughs> this morning than having me pace back and forth up here. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, it really comes down to uh, when, when we look back at our life, how we treated people and how people treat us really has huge bearing on the future, doesn't it? And if we are going to thrive in our life, I believe that truly words are important, but actions are far more. Uh, because what I know is if my parents had talked big and that, that we didn't, they weren't able to share stories here, I mean, let's be honest, I would not have put them here. I wouldn't even invite them here if, if their words and actions just never lined up. And, this, and there is why. Actions are so important. What we do, what we don't do. How we live our lives with the people we're in relationship with is huge. And, uh, and just to kind of bring this full circle, I mean, for example, we have uh, baptism coming up in a couple of weeks. 
we have quite a few people already they are going to be baptized. They've taken that step. They said, yep, we want to be baptized. That is simply, this is what we're talking. It's just one action. It is somebody saying, I'm going to do this because I'm telling people this. I'm saying I'm a follower of Jesus, but now I'm going to show them that I am. I'm going to make it public. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to not talk about it on Facebook. I'm not going to not do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this because what I am here is also what I need to be here and everywhere. So that's what, partly what baptism is about. And Christ was the same thing. God can talk big, but what did God do? He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. It was an action. If God just says, I love you, and then walks away, I think we all know how that goes. But no, he said, I'm going to back this up. Here's my son. He's going to be the sacrifice for you because I love you that much. I'm going to prove it. This is what 1 John 3.18 says. It says, let us stop saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. Whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's people in the street that you don't even know, or even whether it's the people that you know you don't like at all, the people that grate on you like crazy. I want this verse to hit home, and I want you to just marinate on that for a while. Let us stop saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. That's my hope and prayer for us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for giving us hard truth in your word. Lord, we know that our actions need to line up with our words, but God, sometimes it's so difficult. So I pray that you would help us as a group of people, as a church, as people just in general, that you would help us to back up our words with genuine, true, real action. That people would know when we say something, that's true. When we do something, they probably said it. That it all lines up together and that our relationships as a result. God, I pray that relationships in this room that are represented in this room, families, friends, co-workers, everything, that you would help those relationships thrive even more than they ever have before as we work on it. As we seek to make our actions line up with our words because we know they're, they're that important. Help us to do that, God, we pray. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship him.